Hi. Hello everyone to your own podcast the Ritwik show. This is the 11th episode of season 1. In this podcast we are talking about the dark side of spirituality or uh, the we are going to talk about the agoras and we are t- going to talk about the naga sadhus and uh, a lot of fun uh, you will see in this podcast. So be with us uh, to the end of the podcast we will give you a lot of knowledge about our indian culture the agora culture the nagas adus and more things so today i am with uh, mr pavan aditya uh, he is a genius person because we saw him in like we can say his own journey to tcs and uh, ibm and now he is also he also talked about uh, history right and now i talked uh, to him like, like you have the interest in this all the things he say yes i also have interest in all about the dark side of spirituality and etc etc so i'm too much curious to dive deep into his mind and see what he thinks about our indian culture about dark side of spirituality so go ahead watch the uh, podcast till the end put a coffee in your hand and just dive to your own mind and see what what you can bring from this podcast welcome mr aditya sir thanks rajit thanks for inviting me to this podcast and uh, thank, you. thank you for calling me genius <laughs> but yeah i am on the journey to become to become a genius but no no you are a genius uh, <laughs> so thanks once again so yeah it's it's uh, good to have a, have you back again so, it's a pleasure yeah, for me also really, it's going to be an interesting show today yes yeah right so begin with the question like who are agoras right yeah uh, so the word agora itself means someone who is you know not a gora gora is actually a sanskrit word it is uh-huh. also present yeah, right. in the language and many other languages of uh, our indian culture okay let me uh yeah let first uh, yeah, i tell what is in my mind about agoras for me agoras are those who eat human flesh and who drink alcohol uh oh, they are just removed from the society and uh, they have uh, their own culture about all the things so please el- elaborate about this part so that everyone can understand like uh, the person likes me just things at uh, this one about the agoras so go ahead with this point sir please yeah uh, i'll give you an overview of what an agora is okay okay uh, so as i've said you know the word agora means who is not a gora who is not a very cruel person or who is not a very uh, you know a person who is very violent they actually are uh, calm by nature they are supposed to be calm by nature and they mm-hmm. practice uh, something called as uh, devoting lord shiva okay. they also devote uh, mata parvati or ma durga mm-hmm. they uh, are a very you know restricted set of humans uh, if i have to tell you in one word they are not open to other people this okay. people to stay in woods and in ancient times they used to stay also they used to stay near river banks where people don't see what they are doing they keep all their affairs very private so this is what an agora is they are uh, always private people they okay. mostly stay in forests or river banks they do a lot of worship uh, about lord shiva and also uh, durga ma so they uh, i have something in their mind that uh, they wanted to break from this uh, rebirth cycle or to attain salvation right 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 yeah. so this is what their ultimate goal is okay uh, and you know you might be knowing this rebirth cycle uh, yes karma siddhant and punarjanma yeah, so they want to break, yeah they want to break themselves free of this punarjanma or uh, rebirth cycle so this is just a overview about what agora said okay so now let me you know uh 
put you from this side to another side which is the naga sadhus what are they like for me naga sadhus the person who is naked and uh, worship uh, the lords with the pure devotees at this type of uh, what do you think about them and what is the, uh, the they are really naga sadhus are believed to be originated from adi shankara okay and they used to uh, they actually have something called as uh, protection of hinduism yes uh, naga sadhus are traditionally warrior clan people uh, anyone can go ahead and try to become a naga sadhu but not all would be qualified because they have uh, some rigorous uh, levels of testing you know uh, if we go back to the history to the 10th century or 11th century you have a lot of uh, external invasions in our country uh, you know mm. people from uh, outside the indian subcontinent have come inside the country through uh, some yes 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 try to plunder our, our temples so adi shankara it is believed that adi shankara had started a group of people who were who were adi shankaras uh, adi shankara is the guru of uh, dvaita i mean there is actually uh, traditionally there are two sects of hinduism one is called shaivism and other is called vaishnavism so in vaishnavism people normally pray only to lord vishnu they believe shiva doesn't exist and in shaivism people believe shiva is the eternal power and vishnu doesn't exist so adi shankara is one yogi whom lot of us know uh, who has started something called advaita advaita oh. means who believes that shiva and vishnu are uh, you know same uh, you find a lot of people who worship both of them yes, so yes. all of them fall, fall under advaita including me so this is pre- uh, this advaita form of worship prevails all over the country east mm-hmm. to west north to south it is uh, you know the most worshiped form of hinduism i mean uh, okay. there are very uh, abundant amount of hindus who believe who worship both shiva and vishnu and mm-hmm. arishankara himself has said that uh, shiva and vishnu are you know uh, two different forms of the same uh, god so he mm-hmm. tried to calm down these religious riots or religious fights which are happening between this shaiva sect of people and vaishnava sect of people so uh, adi shankara also had took upon the duty to protect some hindu temples uh, i believe he was born in 7th century uh, 750 yes 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 i'm not wrong uh, so he wanted to protect the hindu temples from external invasions mm. so that particular sect which he had started gradually grew to form nagasadhus so nagasadhus are a sect of people who are willingly offering themselves to protect the hindu temples they need to learn some uh, fighting techniques they do not wear clothes that's true they don't wear clothes and they actually uh, cut off all the bondings that they have with their family so they are uh, we can say that they are uh, you know a warrior clan of people who mostly prefer to stay in himalayas so this is a just an overview of what nagasadhu is okay so like i can bring that uh, agoras uh, like uh, you, we can say that they uh, they are type of uh, they also uh, worship the god uh, we can say what shiva agora yeah yeah right and uh, uh, yeah. the naga sadhu uh, worshiped both right 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 so like uh, what is the difference uh, between uh, we can clearly see here that uh, naga sadhus are the, uh, those who worshiped both and uh, agoras are those who worship uh, only shiva so like uh, other than uh, this difference what are they basic difference lies in their duties nagasadhus uh, are basically made to protect some human temples i mean uh, hindu temples i mean so they mm. have a goal of protecting these and they have a permanent 
heads towards you know uh, protection of hinduism altogether on the other hand agora is one shortcut path uh, i we don't necessarily have to call it a shortcut it is a very uh, difficult way also uh, to attain salvation so their duties are different that's the basic difference their uh, appearance might be same you okay. know nowadays if we see a nagasadhu or an agora agoras are a very rare sight nagasadhus are mostly you know they live in himalayas and they are mostly found in kumbh melas uh so nagasadhus definitely come to kumbh mela it is also believed that agoras also come there but uh, by definition an agora has to be a private person so that's one more difference agoras you know they worship mostly lord shiva but nagasadhus they worship vishnu shiva as well as you know okay. other deities also yeah uh yeah nagasadhus are uh, you know by uh, their definition they has to be uh, some warrior clan of people i mean mm-hmm. then they don't suppose i mean they are not supposed to be uh, having inherited all the uh, raja and all i mean they are not supposed to come from some rajput clan or some uh, other ruling clan of people normal people like you and me also can wish to join nagasadhu uh, uh, sect but you know you have to qualify yourself for that but you know agora okay. on the other hand they uh you know kind of have a different set of qualifications mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, you you can be a married person and still become an agora i mean agoras also uh, marry nagasadhus are not supposed to marry on the other hand uh, nagasadhus are uh, you know permanent bachelors okay uh, one more difference that comes up is you know uh, these agoras they practice something called as uh, tantric techniques oh yeah uh, like kala jadu also kala jadu is not necessarily kala jadu but uh, kala jadu is something which you do in order to you know uh, hurt someone i could say i okay. mean mentally or physically you have to hurt someone you can do witchcraft black magic you know in our language we call it kala jadu but uh, agoras do practice something which is not acceptable in our normal form of worship so uh, it's it's not socially acceptable but it is not kala jadu on the same way i mean on the same uh, word if you say it looks like kala jadu what they do but it is not kala jadu exactly okay yeah so on the other hand you know nagasadhus they do worship uh, ganesha they worship shiva vishnu it's the normal uh, worshiping which we do uh, nagasadhus you know they have been uh, somewhat relatively a new sect of people they started in the 9th century 10th century and they flourished a lot till uh, you know until the britishers came to our country on the other hand agoras do exist even uh, before lord krishna i mean in the treta yuga uh, Yeah, yeah i suppose they are existing even before that but the origin of agora is not exactly known but it is believed that you know even uh, they are there since the time of lord rama and lord krishna so they are a very ancient sect of people. so these are the basic differences that you find between agoras and nagasadhus so sir so, uh, like i know that uh, th- there are two types of spirituality like uh, or we can say two types of hand of the god one is left right hand and one is uh, left hand uh in left hand we say that it's agoras and other and uh, in right hand uh, we say that it's uh, scholars spirituality and normal we are doing our puja and uh, worshiping so like what is the end of the both uh, the angle of both different parts is attaining you know liberation uh, yeah liberation we could say uh, we call it moksha in hinduism it's nothing but you know a break of the cycle of rebirth you don't have to have any form of uh, bodily suffering anymore uh, so the right hand of god and the left hand of god both 
you know take you to the moksha which is you know ultimate salvation uh, where uh, it is the common goal of both these but right hand of god something it is something that is socially accepted you know you mm-hmm. don't uh, do some crude practices <laughs> uh, you don't follow some uh, things which are you know not socially acceptable uh, you have some particular way of worship which has been told by your ancestors and to them by their ancestors and it is coming there right from lakhs of years so this is okay. uh, you know deeply embodied in the regular hinduism practice like uh, you have to wake up take a bath uh, you have to you know perform your puja you have to give aarti to the god uh, you uh, only can offer a certain uh, fruits or you can only offer some certain liquids to god you know like water coconut water yeah yeah like uh, yeah, so uh, it is milk not acceptable it uh, yeah yeah milk milk is one thing milk is very pure yeah you're right and uh, honey is also some uh, yes right substance yeah you have some substances like uh, which are considered pure in right hand of god i mean the worship is uh, vo- you know virtually it's not cruel at all okay yeah uh, it doesn't look uh, scary uh, it doesn't look uh, you know unacceptable so okay. these are uh, some set of uh, people who are very much abundant i mean i, sh- I should say 99% of the people are right hand worshipers of god in hindus uh, just the left hand of god is the exact opposite thing people do things which are socially unacceptable there is no particular definition for left hand of god you uh, their only definition is like you have to consume whatever you find in the nature i mean uh, or permutations or combinations of nature whatever you get from the nature you take it you accept the nature as it is you accept the nature at its pace you don't try to change anything so that's their belief uh, left hand of god uh, is actually one way of attaining salvation who uh, okay try to do some uh, things which are very difficult you know what a normal person cannot do you and me both get up we can take bath and do some puja uh, and do some prarthana uh, uh, or, or they call reciting of some shlokas Uh, this is what uh, a lot of people can do i mean even yes. people who are at the age of uh, 70 80 also can do small children also can do uh, but uh, this left hand of god you know it is uh, relatively very difficult i shouldn't say it is impossible but compared to right hand of god it is relatively a more difficult way of living you you know have to isolate yourself from rest of the people uh, you have to uh have something in your hand called as uh, human skull a uh, human skull in an unbroken form is uh, something mm. which they use for having their uh, food they drink uh, in that one they offer alcohol to god they can also they also offer meat to god sometimes uh, i mean it it, it, it is uh, not acceptable in our regular form of hinduism so this is actually a socially unacceptable thing offering meat alcohol or whatever uh, you do in the left hand of god path okay. uh, you know uh, since they do all these things they stay isolated from the people they prefer not to talk with anyone they have their own mm. sect of people and uh, they try to you know worship lord shiva and attain moksha so uh it's a very primitive form of living uh in early st- earlier ages right they used to stay mostly on river banks and forests but right now even a lot of river banks have become you know populated with people they have moved into the forests uh, a real agora doesn't you know like being on the camera to be honest yeah so like let's take a break of 5 uh, to Six minutes and we will back to you in a while. So, go and uh, drink your coffees and uh, come back to the podcast. Thank you so much.
for being at this of the part one of this uh, episode and uh, we will back to you in a while okay yeah so we are again uh, back to the podcast and uh, now we will talk about some dark points about the goras or we can say nagasadhus like first of all the my question is where do they live actually because uh, i do think that uh, the person who drinks alcohol and eat human flesh they are and appears on video so they are not real agoras right i am right uh, yeah i mean okay. you are right up to a certain extent that's definitely true by okay. nature or definition an agora is supposed to be isolated person you know hmm. uh, agoras mostly prefer to live in forests in earlier ages they also used to live at the river banks uh, even today you find some agoras who live in uh you know the forests which are uh, there in uh the northern plains of india like uh, assam west bengal bihar uh, okay. uttar pradesh mm. and also in uh, uttarakhand to some extent so uh, the mostly currently reside in forests but they are also found in banaras sometimes or varanasi uh, the city mm. of varanasi they uh, some people say that they see, have seen agoras i i personally never saw an agora but they say that near the manikarnika ghat agoras come there they uh, sit beside the bodies which are being burnt uh, okay. so uh, but they uh, law an agora is supposed to be you know away from cameras away from other people and you know practice whatever he uh, is supposed to uh, they are supposed to do some sadhana Okay. You know, sadhana is supposed to be done uh, a, a little privately or within a group of agoras. There are uh, five okay. designated places of sadhana which they have, uh, on which they are, uh, you know, uh, which is considered very uh, perfect for them to do sadhana in those five places. Uh, they uh, mostly, as I've said, they live in. a uh, forest and also they used to live in river banks okay. uh, on the river banks uh, you know these five places of sadhana are uh, very much logical with what we see in our day to day life i mean uh, as we have already discussed an agora should be uh, leaving all the desires behind okay so they do sadhanas in the place where something leaves uh it may be a life or it may be some uh, form of some substance and something new starts so it's the end of something and the start of some other place is a place that has been designated as a perfect place to do a sadhana uh the first place is a river bank uh because you know you sit in front of a river on the river bank you look at the river you just turn your head left or right and again look at the river you uh, see that the water is flowing i mean the yeah. water which is there in front of your eyes when you looked at the river for the first time is not the water which you look uh, is not the water which is present when you look at it at the second time i mean you turn your head for 2 seconds and again turn to the river the water goes away and new water replaces so this is by nature it happens because all rivers go and merge in the sea uh a tree is also uh, an another place where they can do the sadhana people tree or okay. uh, it can be a banyan tree also mm-hmm. i mean people tree is uh, more preferable a tree is actually shed their leaves and again new leaves grow on the trees uh it is you know considered a place where uh, it it is the end of one phase of the tree and you know uh, another phase for the tree starts it happens seasonally sometimes it also happens daily some trees shed leaves daily also uh, some of the leaves not all but uh, in winter season they mostly become dry and they shed all their leaves and again during the spring the leaves start growing so this is also a place where they do their sadhana the third place of sadhana is in a cremation ground or uh, smashan or uh, samshan they call it in hindi uh it is a place where you know all your desires die i mean 
brain is the king of all desires. All yes. desires start within the brain. So, a, in a cremation ground, a brain starts burning, your body starts burning. So, it is a place uh, where all your desires come to an end. And uh, that is one more perfect place where uh, Agora can do his uh, sadhana. Or they have some sadhanas and some uh, uh, mantra and tantras which are different from right hand of God or the regular Hindu practice which we do. Mm-hmm. The fourth place is actually a bed where, you know, uh, a couples, you know, sleep on. You know, uh, these uh, couples when they have intercourse, uh, it, it ends at a ejaculation point, which we all know. Okay. So, when someone ejaculates, that is actually, uh, uh, that is a form of life. I mean, that's a basic form of life, you yeah. can say, because you, me, all are born uh, from a semen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, technically it's a semen, but spiritually it's a form of life. So, a form of life leaving one's body is also kind of a end of something. If you see it logically, a form of life is leaving our body. So that is also considered like a life leaving a body. I mean, from a male's body especially. So that is also treated as one place where they can, you know, do a sadhana, a a couple's Mm. bed. The fifth place and the last place is, you know, a, a prostitute's bed. Uh, a prostitute's bed is also the same thing, where semen leaves a male body. So that is considered a life leaving a body. So that is also one place where they do this sadhana. But the first two of them which I have said, the riverbank and the forest, are the most prominent ones. Worshipping uh, or doing the sadhana under a tree, a couple's bed or a prostitute bed is something which is also theoretically possible, but it is rarely practiced. Uh, mm. You know, nowadays all the riverbanks are mostly populated. Uh, Ganges, I mean, Ganga Riverbank or Yamuna Riverbank are somewhat overpopulated, I could say. Yes. So you don't find Agoras mostly in the Ganga and Yamuna Riverbank. They mostly stay private. I mean, they prefer to, you know, be private and they actually uh, have this uh, practice of staying pregnant. They uh, kind of have newcomers into their group, which uh, the seniors teach these sadhanas to the newcomers. So this is uh, a tradition that has been coming on since many yugas, many ages altogether. So uh, they have this also practice of drinking alcohol, as you have said. Uh, you know, they prefer not to show it on camera. The ones which you see on camera uh, are not supposed to be, you know, that is not, by law, they are not supposed to be. By Agora's uh, set of principles, Mm -hmm. you are not supposed to show your uh, way of lifestyle on camera. Uh, When new joiner comes into a group, uh, all the seniors who train him, they uh, actually, you know, they are supposed to eat meat at least once in their lifetime. Not regularly, but, you know, they prefer to eat something in a skull, whatever they find in the forest. So, uh, mostly the newcomers are fed with alcohol because uh, they don't see the world which we see with our eyes. I mean, for example, if I have to tell you, they have to see some things which are, you know, not acceptable or what a normal human brain can't process. Mm. Uh, The mantras and tantras which they do, the aguras that they do, they open up some additional window for our eyes through which we can see uh, some paranormal things, things that a normal human eye can't see. Uh, you might have heard that, you know, if I have to give you an example, they say that go- dogs actually can see ghosts. Yes. Uh, they they uh, can, you know, scan the paranormal activities by their eyes or or they can smell it. Yes, yes. Because, you know, dogs have some uh, 
additional sense which humans don't have a normal human doesn't have so dogs normally uh, have a habit of you know capturing these paranormal so the mantras and tantras which agoras do they also have a potential of you know uh, showing something which is not visible to a human eye i mean if you take an another example you are sitting under a tree just look upside you will find the leaves branches uh, you can also find some light within the uh, branches you know uh, this is all normal human eye can see what a normal human eye will show us uh, for example if you are performing some agora ritual or something uh, or you know chanting some mantras which agoras do and then look up the uh, i mean look upward you can find some uh, you know ghost or you may find some preta uh, or a pisaj or some uh, you know uh, other uh, things which are you know scary to a normal human eye Yes. Uh, it doesn't have to be a pisach or a preta or you know a ghost it can be anything i mean lot of energy revolves around us which we don't see it can be a positive energy or a negative energy uh, they are just like you know two vents of a battery uh, like you have positive energy you also have negative energy which is existing around us uh, so you know the newcomers generally get scared of all these things so that's one one explanation why they feed alcohol to newcomers because when you are in a sober state of mind you really don't care what is you know beside you or behind yes, you. Yes. so this is actually one uh, thing why they drink alcohol and sometimes they have to eat whatever they find in forest so that's the reason they have to get accustomed to eat meat sometimes you may uh, you know whatever you find in the forest it might be something vegetarian or non vegetarian they have to accept it because they have a practice of agoras especially have a practice of accepting whatever is coming from the nature uh, and you know they can also uh, give it as a prasad to the god i mean you offer something to the god in normal hinduism you offer bananas you break a coconut Put it in front of the god. Uh, you can also put sweets in front of the god. These are all acceptable things for them. They consume uh, meat. They consume alcohol sometimes. Uh, they consume uh, some vegetarian things, which all of them they believe have come from the nature, and then uh, has also come to be offered to the god. Okay. So, sir, uh, now it's time for uh, rapid fire questions. So, like. you can uh, if you want to answer and explain the answer you can but uh, don't uh, answer if you don't want to and you can if you want to answer a bit you can answer in a one word or a one sentence right right okay so what is their uh, religion a religion of agoras agoras are uh, you know mostly a shiva worshiping uh, clan they belong to hinduism but are not socially acceptable form of hinduism okay like why they why the one person want to become a agora while they can worship the lord shiva in his own you know being in this right. sociality uh you know agora is one way of you know attaining salvation whereas hmm. uh, the normal uh, day to day hinduism which you practice that is all that also leads to salvation but you know that has some karma along with it so agoras try to get rid of all the bodily uh, karma all inner desires all yeah. uh, things that you know uh, play around with the human mind so that's actually a shortcut but it's a more difficult way because you have to stay away from people eat what you find in the nature you can't you know have whatever you wish to have okay so like uh, they try to find a shortcut in that uh, being an agora so right if uh, they will do some messy things what will be happen uh you know uh we can say what messy really means i mean 
in agora's belief uh, if you kind of uh, eat flesh which is considered you know messy in a normal uh, you know uh, hindu practice or a brahmanic practice mm. uh, you know they also put some uh, non veg in front of the god alcohol in front of the god or some other things that they find in the forest in front of the god which is considered messy but for them it is acceptable but they adhere to some strict principles uh, which shouldn't be broken uh, so if they mm-hmm. break it you know they might be fired from the group or uh, you know their uh, practice of agora uh, you know kind of has to be restarted or comes to an end mm-hmm. so, so uh, yeah it's breaking something is not considered uh, good in agora's belief okay like uh, we practice gratitude we just do our affirmations what uh, they do according to their culture uh, you know in an agora culture you first have to get rid of happiness and sadness they accept only inner peace because inner peace is different from what happiness is uh, you uh, i mean like lot of people relate happiness with inner peace but happiness is what you get when you achieve something sadness is something which you uh, find when you don't achieve something uh, today i wanted to do a podcast with you i couldn't do that so i might feel sad i've done a podcast with you that makes me happy so happiness and sadness they come in cycles which are normal human things like you know it, they confuse with inner peace so agoras they just see the life in a form of you know uh, what it is i mean they let life and nature go in its form they tend not to disturb it they are just a mere spectator of their life they, uh, you know happy things don't bother them sad things don't bother them they practice this way of achieving inner peace it's very easy to say but it is the most difficult thing to you know uh, attain uh, because you can't live without happiness you can't live without fulfilling your desires they don't have these kind of things that's what they practice uh, that's their way of attaining uh, salvation okay so then, uh, yeah in, in a word they are actually you know they try to be like lord shiva uh, i mean they take shiva as their idol they try to practice what he does shiva is you know literally unbiased he never supports someone or you know he never goes against some set of people he is what he is he is a mere spectator of the karma uh, cycle which is happening he is impartial he is uh, kind of uh, you know happiness doesn't bother him sadness doesn't bother him so they tend to be like him okay, so like uh, shiva being the shunya shiva is actually omnipresent shunya is something you know uh, if if i have to uh, tell you in my perception shunya is you close your eyes you find nothing in front of your eyes it's all darkness so that is actually called shunya uh, but shiva is actually omnipresent in my belief i mean what i believe is shiva exists everywhere uh, he, he kind of you know uh, uh, is there from the beginning till the end of everything okay uh it doesn't mean it has to be shunya shunya is like uh, complete uh, hollowness or you know complete emptiness that's called shunya i mean by definition but shiva exists in other places also so sir please uh, this is all about like my rapid fire questions now can you explain the topic of the lord shiva not like basic things he has a vasuki in his neck and other things like as a perspective of agoras uh, from the perspective of agoras they see him as a yogi they see him as a idol okay uh, you know, so first of all i want to ask you that what the shiva is for you you know for me shiva is you know uh, uh, a 
a kind of a person who is there from the beginning to the end of everything i mean he uh controls all the things which are uh, there in our world i mean uh, there is actually a saying in hinduism without the agni of shiva not even an ant bites so he kind of controls the karma of all the people uh, he can change the karma also he has the power to change it but he doesn't do that i mean uh, he he actually is one of the creators of the uh, world but uh, he doesn't violate the principles of karma i know you and me we live our life but for me shiva is something Uh, who is a yogi he is a supreme yogi who you know always uh, gets happy by simple things that's what i see in shiva i mean uh, if you see any uh, shiva temple i mean there is a linga which is there uh, there is not very much decoration like you see in uh, ramalaya or in uh, krishnalaya Yes. But, uh, in a Krishna layer, there is a lot of decoration. In in the Rama layer, there is a lot of decoration for Lord Rama, Sita, and Lakshmana, Hanuman. They put all sorts of flowers. Uh, they put all sorts of colorful, you know, clothes. Uh, it is very well decorated. You know, a different vibe exists in when you visit a Vishnu layer. On the other hand, Shiva is called Bolenath. He is happy with simple things. For me, Shiva is someone who is an Adi yogi. uh is a the yogi kind of a idol uh, a god uh, he he uh, actually you know wears basma on his skin uh, uh, i mean in our uh, hindu scripts it is written that shiva is a very uh, shiva is a person of very fair complexion on the other hand vishnu is of little darker complexion but shiva is extremely fair he applies you know this uh, Basma, what you get from burning Ash. the bodies on his uh, skin, he wraps animal clothing, uh, animal skin as his clothing. Uh, he uh, practices, uh, you know, meditation most of the time. He likes to be happy with simple things. For me, this is what Shiva is. That's why you know uh, any uh, temple in uh, India. I mean, whether whatever the state you pick up. Uh, randomly on the map most of the shiva temples they don't have abundant amount of decoration they yes. are just what they are i mean they offer basic things they clean the linga put a nama on the linga uh, they uh, kind of uh, do a abhisheka on the top they some have a vasuki uh, on the linga some don't have but uh, you know all, all the basic things that we do in a puja are present over there no uh, extra decoration or no you know charming decoration or anything so uh, that's how agoras also are they accept life in the simplest form of way it has to be <laughs> okay so like uh, back to the question uh, what the shiva is for agoras Shiva for Agoras is their supreme teacher. Uh, like you know, you and me have some gurus. Shiva is the guru of all Agoras. Okay, uh, so like so, yeah. So uh, Shiva guide the Agoras as uh, their guru, and so that they worship the Lord Shiva, or right. they want. We can say that they want to become of the Shiva. Yeah, they want to be like Shiva. Uh, they want to become shiva but it is not possible uh, no know, no is, i want to like uh, say that they want to become of shiva like uh, they are you know like nandis and etc etc these types uh, of not exactly but uh, they wanted to become uh, free of this uh, birth cycle and they want to be like shiva i mean they want to eat like the baby eats live like the baby lives and uh, you know they want to copy him but not become a nandi for shiva or pramadagana for shiva they, they don't want to become like that they just want to attain salvation but they want to live like him. 
ओके सो लाइक इफ यू टेक द एग्जाम्पल ऑफ यू नो भस्मा वट इज द पर्पज ऑफ पुटिंग भस्मा ऑन यू नो बॉडी that's one thing that shiva used to do putting basma on the body because he likes doing that the reason you know is debatable some people you know say that he is actually a layakara a layakara is a sanskrit word it also exists in hindi and uh, telugu language laya uh, means the end of life okay end of i mean like they see uh, brahma as the creator of life some see vishnu as you know the progress of life and shiva as the person who is the end of life so uh, since after we kind of uh, our body gets destroyed i mean you burn the body you get ash you can't burn ash again that's uh, something which can't be uh, uh, Dealt further with. I mean, you can't do anything with it. So that's yeah. Like so the end of the life. It's type of the removing of the birth cycle, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the end of your bodily desires. That's the end of your bodily sufferings. Yeah, it was. That's the end of your life. Yeah. If you have to be. Uh, if you have to say it in simple words. So that signifies the end of life. So since Shiva is the Laikara, he likes to have this ash on his uh, body. So yeah that's one way of explaining it but, but uh, different like different people have uh, yes. yeah yeah good okay this one was a too much logical answer because uh, it's about ash is type of the removing of the birth cycle right right uh, i mean like that's one way of you know seeing why uh, shiva likes to put ash on his skin because some people see him as a laikara laikara is again you know the end of life the person who causes the end of life so uh, different people have different explanations for this but that's what this topic is debatable why he has uh, ash on his skin but i kind of believe that since uh, he is treated as a laikara uh, he likes to have that ash on his uh, skin but uh, you know logically shiva doesn't like to end someone's life he is actually a mere spectator uh, spectator i mean spectator of your karma I mean, like in Hinduism, you have something called karma siddhanta. Karma siddhanta is nothing but your previous life cycles karma or your current life cycles karma. Decide what your further life is going to be, or your further birth is going to be. So this happens automatically. You do some accumulate some karma in your previous life. Then you kind of you know have to suffer that karma in the current life. So this process overshoots. you accumulate some karma in this life in your next life you have to bear the consequences of so in a life where you don't have any karma that's the life where you attain salvation theoretically so agora strive to get rid of this karma cycle get rid of bodily desires get rid of mindly desires uh, and break themselves free of all these like shiva and attain salvation okay so like a uh... the podcast has become a uh, too much long uh, in the duration so uh, thank you for coming to the podcast and uh, i really enjoyed the part 1 uh, i think uh, there is some time so we can also cover part 2 today we will i will publish the part 2 in just 5 uh, to uh, 10 minutes after publishing the first part so thank you for being uh, in the podcast uh, we will do more uh, the part 2 in the upcoming 5 uh, minutes or half an hour we will take a break and we will again do the podcast so thank you sir thank you very much sir yeah uh, did you like the podcast this one yeah you know this is a podcast where i have come to know about uh what exactly life is i mean yes. we have become so much mechanical in our current life that we don't bother about uh you know the actual purpose of life you know uh, uh life can also be enjoyed in a very simplest form that's what i have learned from the podcast while going through all the material which is required or while reading about all the spirituality this is uh, you know kind of 
one kind of a refresher definitely because uh, the people who are mostly stuck in their day to day life chores it's a kind of a little break for them okay so like it it was a a bit deep uh, conversation and a heavy conversation to put uh, everything from this podcast you have to you know listen it, it to thrice or we can uh, four times so i hope you loved the podcast and uh, share the podcast like the podcast follow the podcast and support us and you will be like getting a lot of informative podcast lot of enjoyable podcast and yeah this is all about the today's podcast thank you so much